I'm your host, Pia. And with me, wait, I don't think I've mentioned this before, or have I? But with me is my cousin, Alex. Who's that? <laughs> Hello, cousin. Hey, cuz. That's true. We, we sort of have shied away from that fun fact. Well, I don't know. People probably guess we we're related somehow, because we talk about our shared, our fun shared Bengali family. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. You know, can't complain. <laughs> All good? All good. How about you? You know something fun? Huh? So I sent in my DNA to one of those ancestry type sites just for fun, just to see, like, what's my ethnic composition like? Have you done that? No, never. Never? Okay. So as expected, I'm like 99% South Asian, Indian subcontinent. No way. <laughs> Weirdly enough, there's like a 1% weird inheritance from like Turkey or or Georgia or something in some other country. And my yeah. sister has like a 0.4% Finnish gene segment. I don't know where that came from, Alex. And all of a sudden, 23andMe is now mailing me all these fifth cousins <laughs> that I have in America. White fifth cousins, Alex. I got white people fifth cousins. You know what that means? All your Swedish cousins. Ooh, yes. A little bit of that white colonial devil. <laughs> yeah, those damn white colonial devils got Snacking. to my family. <laughs> they got to us. Uh, and I, I'm not. I'm not calling my fifth white cousins out. I'm talking about whatever white dudes in the 1800s banged someone in my family. I guess. Yeah, Dad, we're not talking about you either. <laughs> we're talking about the colonial era. It's so weird, so strange. I mean, it may have even been much, much before that. It may have nothing to do with the colonials. Could have been, who knows, back in the day, like 500 years ago. I bet, you know, I bet it's, um, is it Genghis or is it Genghis Khan? Genghis. Aren't we like 80% of the population has some... <laughs> somehow some dna related to him yeah pretty much pretty much we're all uh we're all we're connected, all connected. <laughs> through blood Bled with the blood sisters um yeah why am i talking about this because today well we're not exactly talking about anything related to what i just said but <laughs> it is <laughs> loosely it's one way to segue <laughs> loosely related to this we're going to talk about how in some families, when they have strife and struggle and, you know, confrontation and problems, how they solve it. Like some people fight, <laughs> screaming matches. Therapy is the thing that people do. Healthy, you know, communication. And in some cases, when things go a little too wrong and a little too far, there's only one way out. Sometimes the rage and thirst for vengeance completely take over. And there is absolutely no hope yeah. of escape from this whirlpool. You keep it in the family. Yeah, they keep it in the family, for sure. Okay, so a little uh, family annihilation or something? Meh, somewhat. Ish. The theme today is when wives kill. Oh. Okay, so we're going to talk about not one, but two cases. I'm going to do two, and I believe, Alex, you have a couple of cases you want to talk about as well, right? I mean, I can bring in some reference points from outside of South Asia. Yes, because we wanted to show this is not a problem with Desi women at all. 
we just bring our special flavor to it, right? Exactly. We do it differently, but when push comes to shove, don't mess with women. That's what I want to say. Um, this wouldn't be really like a Black Widow episode either, because this is not necessarily women who are like marrying and then killing their husbands for the money, right? Or maybe that's an element to it, but it's not strict. We're not strictly talking like Black Widows. No, we're not talking about like premeditated type of sinister shit. This is like very visceral, very reactionary, okay. like solving a problem type of yeah. crime. And yeah, all these cases are very gruesome and horrific. So if you have a queasy constitution, uh, you know, keep uh, keep the volume low. Don't eat. Don't be eaten right now. <laughs> don't get on any roller coasters and put this episode on. <laughs> or do. Just see. Maybe it'll like balance it out. <laughs> so the killers in all our stories are women. Neat. And their MO is the common factor between the cases. And you'll see what that gruesome MO is. All right? Hmm. Is it poison, perchance? No, not poison today. Interesting. There's a lot cooked into the story. Oh, is that a hint? Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> Our first case is the killer curry from Karachi. I think I tried that before. I was on the toilet for like three days. Ay, ay, ay. Our first case <laughs> is from Pakistan in November of 2011. A man called Bezad lived in a two-story building he owned in a densely populated small town called Shah Faisal Colony in Karachi, Pakistan. The modest building was also home to one family who were tenants on the upper floor, the first floor. They were 32-year-old Zainab Bibi her husband Ahmad Abbas, and Zainab's 17-year-old daughter from her previous marriage. Zainab's 22-year-old nephew, Zahir, was a frequent visitor to their home, and he was close to his aunt, so he probably stayed there from time to time. Okay. Zainab had separated from her first husband and married Ahmad just five years at this point in 2011, hoping to make a go of it again. They were not in a good position financially, and the struggles of survival made their family life quite tumultuous, to say the least. Ahmad would get drunk and fight with Zainab often. And of course, when I say fight, it's mostly one-sided. I'm pretty sure he must have been beating her, assaulting her, beating her, yeah. And this is a story in so many homes in South Asia. It's almost a trope at this point. There's practically no addressal of domestic violence in South Asian society and most people just accept it as normal as yeah. you know status quo yeah it just happens gotta get that fixed back in November of 2011 Bezad heard a commotion coming from his upstairs apartment and he went to check on his tenants some neighbors from the adjacent homes had already come over and complained to Bezad that a foul stench was emanating from the upstairs apartment so he finally decided to go and check for himself and probably regretted that decision. Mm. Uh-oh. There was, indeed, a very awful smell coming from the home and as the door opened, Bezad was witness to a scene that alerted him at once that something was not quite right. He could see blood spatters all over the room and there were large pots on the stove bubbling away furiously. He asked Zainab what was going on, to which she replied that she was making a large batch of curry. 
not seeing Ahmed around because this is typical in South Asian communities, right? Men don't generally go and talk to the women in the house. They would prefer yeah. to talk to the men in the house. Mm-hmm. And so he asked for Ahmed. But he wasn't there. Zenab said he's gone out. I haven't seen him. So that was strange. And finding the whole situation altogether a little suspicious, Bezad and the neighbors called the police. Okay. That's kind of, that's weird, isn't it? Like, I wouldn't have called the police at this point. Maybe it smelled really weird. But I don't know. Like, if something smells weird, you call the cops. I don't Maybe she was just acting super sketch. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It's strange. When I read this, I was like, why was the police called? I don't see I don't see enough evidence for them to have called the police. Maybe it's not reported properly why Mm -hmm. they did that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm curious why the cops came in and they found trigger warning, gruesome stuff coming up pieces of flesh in two large bowls by the stove ready to be cooked. And on searching further, they found the dismembered remains of a man, assumed to be Ahmed, in a box, festered with flies and decomposing rapidly owing to the heat. Yeah, I'm telling you, it smelled weird in there. But still, you can't call the cops because something smells funny. If it smells like dead body, I'm calling... Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yep. And if it's hot... That smell is going to, like, happen pretty fast, I feel like. This neighborhood is typical of South Asia. Homes built on top of each other, right next mm-hmm. to each other. There's no privacy or yeah. breathing room at all. You can see and hear and smell everything going on all around you. And I think there's just no way to dispose of a body, like, bit by bit in your kitchen for things to not start getting pretty ripe. <sighs> so as incredulous as it sounds... Zainab had killed her husband and was cooking his remains into a curry to dispose of it. She was arrested along with her nephew Zahir, who was charged for dismembering the body. Zainab confessed that she had sedated her husband with sleeping pills in his drink and then strangled him with a rope. She had to get rid of his body and there's no way she could inconspicuously carry that down to the ground floor without anyone seeing because, like I mentioned... There's hundreds of eyes on you <laughs> 24-7 in communities like that. Yeah, right. And so naturally chopping it up seemed like the easiest way out, I suppose. I, I don't know. Criminals aren't always the smartest tools in the shed. Yeah, that's it's dumb, but... She's not the first one to have that idea, for sure. Now, why had she done this in Unspeakable Act? Why are we cooking up our husband? I mean, he was beating. He, it sounds like he was mm-hmm. kind of a jerk, but... Mm-hmm. Why, why, did we, why did we kill him? Now, two days before this incident, Zainab had gone to the police station with her husband to report her 17-year-old daughter missing. Uh-oh. Okay. She's missing at this point. And now Zainab claimed that her husband, Ahmed, had attempted to molest her daughter several times over oh. the years when he was drunk. He had also started to say disgusting things like he wanted to marry her and make her his second wife. Ugh, okay. Well, I'm glad he's curry, if that's true. I don't like that. Now, this was the last straw, and Zainab decided that he has got to go. Yeah. 
But where was her daughter? We we don't know because nothing beyond this was reported on in mainstream media. Perhaps it's reported better in Pakistani news in Urdu somewhere, but I can't I can't read Urdu, so I don't know. There's no information about this missing daughter if she was found, if she simply ran away because of the abuse or if something happened to her. We don't know. Hmm. But it seems like at least somewhat there is some relation to that incident. Yeah. There's cause and effect. Like she ran away because maybe he did something and Zainab took revenge to protect her daughter. Yeah. I'd be out of there. Oh, it sounds just bad all around. Bad, bad, bad. Now, what exactly took place is not known. And I doubt any reporter actually tried to go beyond the scandalous headlines and find out. Right. What drove this seemingly, you know, normal woman to take such an inhuman step? No one, no one bothered to find out. It makes sense to me, as weird as it sounds, to do this. The mistake you make, the first mistake is killing the husband in your apartment. So it must have been like, you know, spontaneous and not planned. Here's something that probably makes it even worse. How Zena met this man is because he was her daughter's teacher. When she was so, in middle school. Okay. So he was her teacher when she was a child. Yuck. Then he became her stepfather, and now he started molesting her. So yeah, it... This is very Lolita-y. Mm. Now I kind of give her the benefit of the doubt. Something must have been going on, and she was just protecting her daughter. She just went about it the wrong way. Yeah. Murder and dismembering is obviously yeah. not the answer. Yeah. And it may seem totally unreasonable, obviously, for Zainab to have resorted to murder. But maybe we could see it from a different perspective, knowing that nearly 80% of women in Pakistan are subject to domestic violence, marital rape, and receive next to no help from the legal system or even from society. Yeah. To a lot of women, especially those with no means to support themselves, there is no hope. There is no hope of escape or salvation, really. Uh-huh. They have their backs against the wall. They got nowhere to go. So, bam, murder. Yeah, it definitely frames it differently when you have the whole context of the situation and this, like, this guy being potentially very evil makes it feel a little more, not justified, but reasoned. Yes, she's a criminal, but her motivation... Was survival, kind of. Yes, it was more a case of survival, really. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Intense. Intense. Quick and intense. Yeah, that's the end of our first case. You want to pepper in one of your stories, Alex? We can do a back and forth. Um, Yeah, so this story about an Egyptian woman who immigrated to the U.S. Her name is Omaima Ari Nelson. There's some interesting parallels, I guess, although this story is, like, pretty weird. Basically, Omaima Ari Nelson born in Egypt, as I mentioned, immigrated to the U.S. in her late teens. A Mm. few years later, she met her husband, William Bill Nelson, and she was just 23 years old. He was 56. Wow. So a big age difference. I I mean, that happens. But Mm. then they married, like, literally within days of meeting. So... Hmm. Was it like a green card situation? I don't know. But Mm. that's definitely the first thing that comes to mind. But also people 
are crazy and will do stuff like that sometimes. So maybe it wasn't. (laughs) But then it gets even better because she killed him within a month of their union. What? Yeah. (laughs) So they met, got married in a month. And then in another month, bam, he's dead. Yeah. They got married in October. And by the end of November, he was out of this world. Oh, my God. Yeah. (gasps) Okay. Um, She claimed that he was sexually assaulting her. Hmm. I'm not really sure if that was the motivation, but one night he sexually assaulted her and she retaliated by stabbing Bill with scissors and then beating him to death with a clothing iron. Yeah. Abruptly cutting short their union. That sounds really violent, like pent up rage. Yeah, yeah. Scissors and and just beating someone to death with a clothing iron, that... Even though it's a heavy instrument, that takes some adrenaline and force. Yeah, for sure. And I bet you she wasn't like built like an Amazon. I bet she was, you know, at least smaller in stature than her husband. So for her to have overpowered him and killed him, that must have been like berserker mode. She was a former model and nanny on the petite side. Mm. Damn. Um. So then after yeah, killing hard to him, tell. yeah. She went down a similar route, dismembering mm-hmm. her late hubby's body, boiling the identifying appendages such as his head mm. and hands, and then yes. over the course of the night, grinding up bits of him in the food disposal mixed with leftover turkey. Why? <laughs> Why did she add the turkey? Maybe just to, like, not be suspicious. The neighbors said that they heard her running the food disposal the whole night, though. So it's like... Oh, my God. Turkey, yeah. And then? Um. So then, to top it all off, she reportedly castrated him Oof. in revenge for his alleged sexual assaults. And she told her psychiatrist that she had cooked her husband's ribs in barbecue sauce and eaten them. But later she denied this. So there, you know, are rumors of cannibalism. There was also allegations that this sexual assault involved some sort of bondage, which Mm. like not good if you're not consenting. If you are considering like whatever, do you, I guess. But um, yeah, there's just like a nice little sprinkling of horror. It had to have been something extreme. If in two months she went from, oh, I love you to I want you dead. Right. It yeah, must it has to have, have been. been. Um, there is like a little piece of background context that might explain. It might add a little bit of light to the situation mm-hmm. that during the trial, it was revealed that when she was a child living in Cairo, she had undergone female genital mutilation. <gasps> and so sex oh, was already horrible. something that was not enjoyable or fun for her. Okay. That explains a lot. That explains a lot. She was already a survivor of... Brutality. Yeah, brutality. And now it makes sense, her extreme reaction. And yes, she committed a crime. And in the eyes of the law, she ended up as a criminal. But it makes sense. There is a cause and effect. She was a victim and a survivor herself before any of this happened. Anyway, she got... Arrested, convicted, she's in jail. She's in jail. She's paying the price, which is fair, I suppose. Maybe just don't kill, don't be killing the husbands in the house. Take them out for date night. 
so you don't have to deal with the body. Push them in the river. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do don't it. Do don't it. kill your husbands. Don't Come on it. now. Yeah, Come on. They might be dummies. Just go to the police if they're being bad. And if the police, if the police don't help, just get out of there. Get out of there. I know it's not that simple. I guess caveat, we know that it's not that simple. Like a lot of women can't get out of the situations that they're in. But I think studies show that when you try to get out is when you're in the most danger. Yeah. So yes, it's not an easy situation, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. You defend yourself when you need to and protect yourself as you need to. But let's just cool it on the cannibalism, maybe. That's all. We, we just don't need the eating. <laughs> Go Being vegan. Or the cooking. Just let's keep it's food not, out of this. It's not vegan. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not very fat free or low carb to be eating humans. Okay. The next case I'm covering is the Singapore curry murder of 1984. Oh, some more curry. Curry, curry. This case caused a huge buzz in Singapore back in the day. And even today, it's very well known among people from that generation. And I thought okay. of covering this because while it is taking place in Singapore, which is Southeast Asia, you know, not too out of our wheelhouse, yeah. but the suspects and the victim were of Indian origin. So I guess it counts. There are a lot of Indians in Singapore, eh? It is truly a melting pot of cultures. The population is made up of ethnically Chinese, Malay, and Indian people, mostly from South India. And within South India, mostly from Tamil Nadu. Lots and lots of Indian Tamilians have settled in Singapore and Malaysia for decades. Tamilians, I love that. While I said that the murder is from 1984, the actual case didn't gain momentum till January of 1987. When an anonymous caller reported to the Singapore police that a 34-year-old man called Ayakannu Maritamuttu had been murdered by his wife and her brothers. So this sounds like a movie, like an anonymous caller. Hello, I want to report a murder. Somebody killed their husband and made him into a curry. Goodbye. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Love you. <laughs> that call is what kicked off this case. Okay. Marita Mutu or Mutu worked as a caretaker in charge of the public holiday homes in Changi, Singapore. The anonymous caller claimed that Mutu had been chopped up into pieces and cooked into a curry with all kinds of aromatic spices by his killers. He seemed to know a lot of details about this murder. <laughs> yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> yes, because he had all these specific details, the cops were like, okay, this sounds very specific. We have to look into it. There was lemongrass, there was jeera, <laughs> there was curcuma. <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit of chili, green chili, red chili, you know, turmeric, all the stuff, yeah. The police looked into it and found that Muttu had been reported missing by his wife three years ago in 1984 at the Ju Chiat police station in Singapore, where she stated that Muttu had gone to Genting Highlands, a casino haven, to try his hand at gambling. But uh. he never came back from that trip. Mm. They questioned and even ended up arresting Muttu's wife, Nagaratha, 
and her three brothers, her mother, and one sister-in-law. So six people were arrested over this anonymous call. And one of these three brothers was a butcher, coincidentally. <laughs> okay. That you know, handy. handy. That's a handy trade. Sure. Apparently, one of these suspects did confess that Marita Muttu used to drink a lot and beat his wife on the daily, like time and time again. They had three kids, three small kids, and the family was just tired of undergoing this. Yeah, he was a bastard. Repeated violence night after night. Yeah. After a while, she had had enough of the violence and she plotted with her family to get rid of him. We done. Allegedly, the family got together, killed Marita Muttu, and then butchered him into pieces small enough to make curry out of. The spices and chili were added to mask the smell. And then the curry was mixed with rice, packed into plastic bags, and thrown into dumpsters all over Singapore. Mm. All this was part of the confessions from these suspects. But despite the arrest and investigation, no corroborating evidence was found at all. Nobody, no remains. And you know what they say, right? Nobody, no crime. So no curry? They didn't no find curry. any curry? <laughs> no curry. They found nothing. No murder weapon, no body, no. nothing. So okay. after four years in custody, the wife and brothers were finally set free. And legally, that sounds about right to me. Like you can't just jail someone without evidence, especially if the evidence... The only thing they have is an anonymous caller. Yeah. That's not reliable. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how the case ended. Do you think they're doing this in, like, outdoor kitchens? Outdoor kitchens. I don't think you have the luxury of these kind of homes in Singapore. Yeah, true. True, true, true. Yeah. I've just been thinking, okay, it's kind of smart to cook, like, meat into curry. Because once you cook human flesh into a curry, it probably just would taste or resemble or you know smell like pork or chicken or meat it's gonna smell like curry more than anything so that's kind of smart but at the same time when you're actually cooking the meat like people were you know around smelling human flesh cooking and just didn't even know it's just wild yeah it's crazy i hate the smell of meat curry cooking i i can't stand it yeah uh whenever meat used to cook in my house growing up i was just like oh god this is so gross i yeah. hated it i i did not want to eat meat at home so yeah i can see how people immediately like hone in when they smell something yeah like that cooking and they're like that's weird mm -hmm. so yeah i mean they're free they were set free there was a tv show made about this case and the family tried to sue them for defamation mm -hmm. think about it you're just pointing the finger at a whole family who might just be innocent in the end, right? Maybe they yeah. did nothing. It's possible that Marita Muttu met some other fate. Yeah. We can't say for sure. We can't call them murderers just because some anonymous caller had a field day with that call. Mm -hmm. That's the case. The Singapore curry murder, very famous, but you can't still call it the curry murder. Technically, it's not a curry murder. There's no curry. No curry. No murder. No curry murder. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> The man missing in Singapore. <laughs> and his wife made a curry, probably. That's it. Yeah. That's my case. Cool. All right. And also in Singapore, the I wonder what kind of curry they were making. <laughs> <laughs> Is that stupid? Hey, since we talked about this case from Singapore, I just quickly wanted to recommend a new podcast that's come out from Singapore. 
It's called Heinous. Now, Heinous is an Asian true crime podcast, which is a revived look at the most heinous crimes that happened across Asia. The episodes are creepily immersive. So, yeah, go check it out. Get creeped out. Get immersified. You see? Easy. Now, for do what I did. He shoved the bolster into Gavin's face. Go. Go and practice killing my wife. Ooh, I'm gonna listen. I'm excited for that. That's gonna be awesome. Check them out. Go yeah. check them out. Subscribe to Heinous. Okie doke. Yeah. When I was researching these cases, I saw so many more instances of women, you know, wives and girlfriends, killing their partners and cutting them up and trying to cook them. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that runs through these women's minds, but they try to do this a lot. I know. Men, not so much, but women seem to end up taking this path. Mm -hmm. A lot more. Their job is to be in the kitchen. So they're like, all right, I'll be in the kitchen. I'll show you what I can do in the kitchen. I still think there's something very pragmatic about it. <laughs> it's like, how do I get rid of this body in a way, you know, that leverages my best skills? Skills. <laughs> That's terrible. In the end, we're all meat bags anyway, right? I'm thinking about some other cases, like there was that Australian, I think they call her a serial killer, but I don't know how much of a serial killer she was. Her name was mm -hmm. Catherine Knight. She was actually like a, a monster of a woman. <laughs> she worked at a butcher factory. Oh. And she loved her knives. And she, I think, murdered her husband, skinned him, cooked him up in all different kinds of plates like oh you know gosh. made a roast and mashed potatoes and vegetables like a whole spread oh. um but there are also some like male serial killers that I, I i mean jeffrey dahmer cooked but i don't know if he dabbled in eating but he definitely cooked up some of his victims body parts yeah but you see uh, those seem more like people who had mental issues yeah true. who derived some kind of pleasure from it true I think that's the difference between them and the cases we talk about today. Like those are insane nut jobs who derive some pleasure out of the killing and the cooking and the eating. All of these two cases, and even the one I talked about, if if true, if true, these were women who were really in situations where they didn't have many options. That's bad to say, but like. They must have felt totally helpless. They must yeah. have felt like the system will fail them and not help them one bit. Because yes, a lot of times you will see if the woman reports something, the cops will just laugh it off, maybe even make a report, but then send her right back home, do nothing to the husband. And now he's even more mad. Right. So these cases that we talked about today are not so much about crazy, crazy women, people. but more yeah. about desperate Women who felt like they had no desperate way women. to go. Yeah. Desperate women who unfortunately had to commit such inhuman crimes. With a little masala and spice. <laughs> Aggressors with a little masala and spice. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> oh, yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, you ready for a Bollywood corner? Yeah. Oh, yes. I want like an... Indian murder ratatouille. I don't want to go out looking for movies along this theme. I don't think I'd enjoy watching it. So what I did pick instead were movies where the 
the women are central figures and there's all kinds of murder and mayhem happening around them. Okay, cool. They are both thrillers. They're on Netflix. I highly recommend them. Go give them a watch. They're newer movies so they don't have as much cheese in them as the older ones usually mm -hmm. do. Um, they're very well made. Definitely watch them, okay? The first one is called Haseen Dilruba, which means beautiful, beloved, femme fatale kind of a woman. Okay. Okay, this is not about two perfect people coming together and having a love story. Nope. It's a tale of a very flawed, newly married couple who don't really know each other. They just, mm -hmm. it's an arranged marriage. And they choose drastic actions instead of just communicating clearly yeah. with each other. Okay, things just go <laughs> wrong. Uh, totally out of control. You know, we need some conflict to make the movie interesting. So. The wife wants like a bad boy kind of husband. And unfortunately, the husband is just too nice. He's too nice. He's oh, like a nice nerd. That's a dangerous thing to be sometimes. Too yeah, nice. like, you know, the quiet type. <laughs> yeah. He, he's got like storm brewing inside, but he Ooh. won't see it. Like he's quiet. Yeah. He's a nice guy, <laughs> but he's not the bad boy she wants. And she keeps taunting him. Why can't you be like this? Blah, blah, blah. This guy's cousin shows up and he is the bad boy type. Right. And so things get a little steamy there and spiral out of control. To the okay. point where there's an explosion in the house, which kills the husband. Oh, shit. And now the wife is a suspect. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Sounds titillating. Things are not as straightforward as I'm saying it right now. So definitely go watch this one. I don't want to say anything more. Okay. It's called Haseen Dilruba. The next movie is Mrs. Serial Killer. Okay. On the nose. This is one of those almost bad but not so bad that you don't enjoy parts of it kind of movie. Okay. Jacqueline Fernandez, who's actually originally from Sri Lanka. She now is a Bollywood actress. Okay. She plays the role of Sona, a dedicated wife whose husband is suddenly the suspect in a series of serial killings in their small town. So she does all she can to exonerate him and find the real killer. Things happen, obviously. There's a bunch of twists in the tale, which I don't want to spoil for you. So go watch it. It's called Mrs. Serial Killer. That's easy to remember. Easy to remember. <laughs> awesome. That was it. Things to watch. I guess you'll probably include those Bollywood Corner in our next posts on the things that you should follow, which leads us mm -hmm. to the things you should follow. Tell them, Alex. We are on the Instagrams at Crimes from East. We have a website of the same name, crimesfromtheeast.com. Um, you can visit us on Patreon. If you like what you hear, you can access more content and special stuff, right? And early releases. All episodes come out there first. I, I want to start doing small series episodes like this more often. So send us little stories that we could compile, maybe. I don't know. You may have noticed that there isn't too much detail in these stories. And I apologize for that. I didn't do my usual deep dive because I just don't have time. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on at home. CrimeCon. Oh, yeah. Go visit Pia at CrimeCon. Yes, I will be at CrimeCon in a couple of weeks. It's the first time I'm going. I'm very excited and nervous. So if anyone listening is coming, message me. Let's. Let's meet up there. Let's go to an event together. Let's check it out. 
I'm excited to go see Joe Kenda, the homicide hunter. He's Ooh. an amazing super cop. He's solved like, I don't know, 400 homicides in his career. And there's also genetic genealogy experts who will be presenting their methods and stuff and special cases, which I want to see. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's also events done by the investigators and family of the Delphi case in the USA. It's a very famous case from, I think, like five years now at this point. The murders of two teenage girls, Abby and Libby. Okay. In Delph- Delphi, Delphi. Um, I believe it's Indiana. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I remember this. Their murder is still unsolved. Yeah. yeah. And so there will be a presentation on that case at the event, which That's I definitely want to go watch. So yeah, I'm excited to go to CrimeCon. Yeah, mingle about with other true crime um, explorers. I don't want to say like enthusiasts because you don't want to encourage more true crime content to be made in this world. <laughs> you just want to yeah. explore the ones that already exist and are unsolved. Mm-hmm. That's why we had this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, though. It wasn't too bad. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was fun. And that's about it. Alex, you had any other parting thoughts? Anything you wanted to say? Um, yeah, don't let this, uh, you know, make you afraid to try curry if you (laughs) haven't tried curries. Oh my God. There's not just one. There are many and they're all beautiful and delicious pretty much. And mostly I would say like 98, 99.8% of the time there is no husband in them. Mm, Yeah. I hope we haven't sullied the name of curry. (laughs) (laughs) In this world. We'd, we'd be like traitors to our heritage if we Blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> All right. Join us again in a couple weeks in another episode of Crimes from the East. Your fortnightly dose of Desi True Crime and Strange Phenomenon. With a little... Masala, masala and... Spice.